0: And so it was actually January 2016, just now, where I committed to this idea. And obviously the, the, the link with Italy is, is Rome. So I just started thinking, OK, I want to do something tying in Rome uh, or Italy as a country, just because that is where I have my manic episode. Um, so then I thought, Rome, Rome to home. Ah, Rome to home. And then that just stuck with me.
1: Episode 268, running 1,250 miles from Rome to home with bipolar disorder with Dan Keeley. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville.
2: Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Hey, I've got a really neat story for you today. Dan Keeley has joined us from the UK, and he has quite the story to tell, but he has set a mission for himself to make an impact, to make a real difference in the world, especially for men who are struggling with all sorts of depression, and we'll get into why that is. But starting on August the 25th of this year, Dan is going to run from Rome all the way back to the UK and he's calling it the Rome to Home. It is <laughs> 1,250 miles of self-supported running, but he's not doing it just for the fun of it. He's doing it to raise awareness about depression, especially among men, and to raise awareness about other things that that face us that can cause struggles throughout the our lives. So Dan, welcome to the program. We want to hear a lot more about this.
0: Yeah, Curtis. Oh my gosh, what an introduction. Thank you so much. And uh I've been really looking forward to this. I've been listening to your show for some time. um, And, you know, just hearing somebody uh, really engaged with what I'm doing and and put it so succinctly as that is really kind of you. And yeah, that's a a really lovely introduction. It's great to be here.
2: Well, it is our honor to have you on the show. And we're behind you 100% on what you're doing here. Really, really cool stuff. But let's before we dive into everything, let's get your backstory. So right now you're in Kent. And you yeah. informed me that Kent is considered the garden of England. <laughs> what a beautiful thing. So you live yeah, in Sevenoaks right. there. Tell us about Kent.
0: Yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, I grew up in the southeast of England. So the neighboring county to Kent is called East Sussex. So I grew up on the south coast, uh, not too far from Brighton, which is a pretty famous city on the south coast. Um, So I grew up in Eastbourne and it was an amazing childhood down there. Um, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but basically after graduating from university, we moved into London, uh, as many people do, obviously. Uh, Had a great, uh, I think it was six or seven years we spent around there, bouncing around. And then, you know, we just missed the greenery. And so we thought, what better place than to, yeah, as you say, move to the Garden of England. And uh, yeah, we've been down here in Sevenoaks for a year now and it's just between our two families and we couldn't be much happier. It's a gorgeous
2: place to be Mm, very cool (laughs) and you also mentioned that as you were growing up you were very active in sports uh playing football soccer right football lacrosse and you ultimately became a ski instructor which led to
0: your current career yeah that's right that's right um yeah, so, yeah, I've always been super sporty, actually, Kurt. So I think it was always evident, you know, from a really young age that I was going to be uh, channeling myself into a career path within sport or, or sports development. I've always been really passionate about um, harnessing the power of sport and physical activity to get people active and ultimately for others to feel the benefits that I've enjoyed ever since I was a, a young kid. So, yeah, I mean, growing up, I remember being taken to tennis practice three times a week, football training and matches twice a week if I wasn't doing that I was down at the local judo club if I wasn't doing that I was playing frisbee in the park or mountain biking I was in my back garden knocking a ball against the wall Um, and yeah I'm just so grateful to my parents for um, installing that um yeah, just that gift, really, you know, it's been it has been a gift to, um you know, to, to now be uh, 31 as I am uh, and to feel like I'm still continuing with that same enjoyment I had as a kid. So, yeah, you mentioned lacrosse. That was a real highlight. So when I was at university, I was uh, a national standard lacrosse player with the South of England lacrosse team. Just an amazing couple of seasons there. And you mentioned the skiing instructing. So I was lucky enough to go on a school ski trip when I was younger, Kurt. I think I was 12 or 13 years old. And I remember clicking into my skis for the first time at that age. And, and oh man, it was just so addictive straight away. And I knew that this was something I really wanted to. Uh, to apply myself to so uh, a little later on in life yeah worked two jobs back to back to save up to get myself out to the Alps and it's really nice to be talking to you today as a qualified level two instructor um, having spent a couple of seasons in the Alps um, you know regularly really for the past few years and uh, yeah it's led into what I do now day to day which is a really uh, privileged position to be in.
2: Well, let's, let's spend a little bit of time talking about what you are doing day to day before we start talking about this epic run that you're taking <laughs> on here. So you are currently working with a snow sports youth charity called Snow Camp. Yeah. And this is a charity that takes kids out onto the mountain to teach them to ski, to give them a greater awareness of the opportunities that are in the world and to help these kids kind of along their way. Give us the details on that. It sounds really awesome.
0: Yeah, it really is awesome. It's such a privileged uh, project. I'm going to call it a project. It's just a, you know just a passionate, innovative lifestyle sport charity. It's been going for 13 years. So, back in uh, 2012, I was lucky enough to be um, uh, given the position of the Snow Sports Community Manager. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just a dream position where um, you know we partner with um, the snow sports industry here in the UK. Um, and ultimately, the aims of the charity always have been to develop. Uh, so, yeah, the young people that 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 we support as a charity are generally aged uh, 15 to 21. Sometimes they're a little bit younger. But these are inner city kids. These are uh, kids from disadvantaged areas. Maybe they're not in education or employment or just need some direction or need a leg up in life. Maybe they're caught up in the wrong crowds. Um, and so what we do as a charity is we actually get, take them away from that inner city environment. And we're really lucky in the UK, Kurt, to have six indoor snow centres and a whole plethora of dry, skis, uh, dry ski slopes right across the UK. So we've got these amazing facilities where we can take these young people out of the inner city environment, get them to the ski slopes. And then ultimately, the aims of the charity are to develop life skills. Uh, to gain qualifications and ultimately vocational uh, and employment opportunities uh, in the snow sports industry and beyond. So we've got a year long journey of programs. Uh, the young people have to stick with us. They have to show their their willing and their passion and the, and uh, you know they can see where their peers have got to from the year before. And then eventually they are really fortunate to go out with us to the mountains and they actually shadow instructors out there. Um, and then they qualify as instructors themselves, which is just amazing. And, you know, after 13 years of uh, doing what we do as a charity we're we're definitely in our most exciting chapter yet because uh, we're just getting this incredible media attention uh, at the moment and it's just a really um, passion-driven charity you know and uh, it was a real honor for me to fuse the two together so like I said I qualified as a ski instructor in 2011 uh, but my background has always been in sports development so to fuse the two together and channel that into my uh, position which uh, I'm lucky enough to say that I've been there for five years now Um, yeah it is a real honor and uh, it's a pretty unique setup given we don't have that much snow uh, over here in the uk <laughs>
2: right you don't have that much snow and you don't have the big mountains either so that's that's exactly. really cool very cool mm-hmm. i have said on the show in the past and some of the long-term listeners have had me or heard me say it before but i'm going to say it again <laughs> when i say at the end of the show get out there and have some fun and <laughs> you know i it's a loaded statement there are lots of connotations there and what you just described is a perfect example If we find our passion and we begin to pursue it and live that passion, it seems like it can often lead to an opportunity not just for a career but also to make a difference in the world for others. And so some people think get out there and have some fun. sounds kind of selfish or hedonistic, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm saying, oh, just go have fun. No, the reality is go find your passion and live it and you'll make a difference on the planet. And that's what you're doing, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to have you here today.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you all the way, my man. That's just, uh, yeah, I couldn't have said it better. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right.
2: Yeah, tons of fun here. So you (laughs) mentioned to me also that this isn't your first time to run, but this is going to be the first time to do anything of this size, but you've already completed the London Marathon. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank
0: you. Thank you.
2: So let's talk a little bit about that. I, I know we yeah. have hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of listeners out there who are like, yeah, I've always thought about doing a marathon, but I don't know. <laughs> How does a person do a
0: marathon? How does a person do a marathon? Uh do you know what the other first person who's asked me that question, Kurt? <laughs> he, I think even 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 when I did it, I don't think anybody actually said, "Oh man, could you t- could you tell me your secrets?" I don't think I had any secrets. <laughs> and so, how can somebody do a marathon? I, I would. Um, do you know what? Actually, do you know what I would say, Curtis? Bearing in mind that the 2017 London Marathon is this Saturday. It's tomorrow. Wow. Um, or is it Sunday? Anyway, it's this weekend. So <laughs> so it's all good timing. This. If I if I if anybody hears this this, either prior to this weekend or after this weekend, what I'd say to them is just tune in and have a look at the whole spectrum of people who are taking on the London Marathon and just really listen to their stories and pay attention to the different caliber of people taking on um, these challenges not just a marathon but pay attention to all these you know uh, long distance challenges out there can anybody do a marathon I don't know I'm not the person to answer that question uh, but what I would say is just you know just have a look at these um, uh, yeah the whole range of different people doing it and think you know can you see a little bit of yourself in these other people you know what are their stories how did they get to the point of standing on that start line looking ahead to do 26.2 miles which is a long way it is definitely a long way but you know listen to their stories see if you can work out their secrets and you know perhaps when I'm chatting to people about uh Rome to home shortly Curtis then you know there may be one or two people out there that gleam a little bit of inspiration from what I'm doing and perhaps can join the dots like I have done to get myself to this position where I'm now four months away from taking on the adventure so sorry that's not a more articulate answer i, I would never say i'm a professional with uh, trying to advise people how to get to the start line of a marathon but yeah just uh just uh, just to see if you can glean some inspiration from others that's that's i guess the best bit of advice i can give
2: <laughs> i agree I, I agree completely because when people get inspired then they're willing to try new things and you don't have to yeah. run 26 miles the first time out the door right
0: but Hell what no, you can no do way. is to
2: begin to go out and do what you love to do, and see where it leads you. So yeah, very, very for sure. Fun.
0: Absolutely. And, and, just, and yeah, just on that, Curtis, you, you just reminded me of something which I've always felt. You know, I'm a massive fan of any project that shines a spotlight on the benefits of physical activity, any, any project. And of course, we had the London Games in 2012 and it was an amazing time for our country over here. You know, I lived just up the road from London and it was just such an incredible time for our city. You know, and then, then in the six months and the years and, the, you know, even now we're, we're five years on from there. You know, I've always felt like, you know, the stories of the people who got to where they were. To to take on the uh, to become an Olympian, that's just as powerful as the facilities. You know, it's just as powerful as you know the, the financial backing to uh, improve these sites or you know develop the Olympic Park. And we're talking about the legacy project there. But you know, inspiration is a product in its own right. And uh, I think the more people that can get out there and inspire others to do things, the better, especially in schools and with young people. So yeah, thanks for kind of reaffirming that, Curtis. It's great to speak to one of my kind.
2: Oh sure, you bet. We're on the same page for sure. So you have a special um a special concern and care about the dangers of depression i mentioned that in the interview mm-hmm. and uh you shared a statistic with me that says that 12 men take their lives every single day in the uk
0: yeah
2: and so if you multiply that for the rest of the planet that's shocking we're talking about thousands of people dying yeah. because of special challenges primarily with depression. And Uh you have a unique story of your own that personalizes this a little bit. Would you be willing to share that with us?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I could uh, share this with you all day long, Curtis. I really could. Let's see what we can do in the next uh, 45 minutes. Um, So just to say on that, you you say, you know, that statistic, it it cuts me up every time. It really does. And you can probably hear a bit of a tear in in my voice, the fact that 12 guys today would have taken their their own life in the UK and it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. Um And, you know, I want to play my part in doing something about this, Curtis. So I'll get to my story in a second. But what what I'd like to uh, share with you as a positive thing is that there's actually a a, a great deal of attention being put into mental health in the UK at the moment. And if you do tune into the London Marathon this weekend, you'll see that it's going to be uh, tagged to the Mental Health Marathon this year because uh, Prince Harry and William and, and uh, Kate, God bless them. They're getting behind the London Marathon with their own their own stuff there. So um, there's some really positive things happening in the UK right now, Curtis, and it's really great to to see that. And uh, I guess what I'm going to share with you in a minute. Um, particularly as we lead towards why I'm taking on this big adventure this year. Um, if I can play my part in reducing the number of guys that frickin' take their own life every day in the UK, then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll sleep a happy man. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully I can make a bit of a difference. So sorry for that lead in there, but, uh, here we go. So, so yeah, um, where do you want me to start, Curtis? So yeah, let's start with just... what
2: happened in Italy.
0: Okay. Yeah, let's go there. Okay, guys. So. <clears throat> um wow yeah Italy uh so cutting to the the short story guys so basically in the summer of 2012 I had a full-blown manic episode in Italy and when I say full-blown I got to the point where I believed I was the chosen one it wasn't it was crazy it was off the scale it was unbelievable and to paint the picture of how I got to that point Um, I'm just going to have to take you back a little bit. So like I said, I've always been that passionate, energetic, enthusiastic, first to training, last one to leave, (laughs) always smiling, positive guy. I've always been that person. You know, that's what I pride myself on. And it's still what I pride myself on today. So in 2012, uh, like I said, Curtis, I managed to fuse my passion for snow sports together with my background in sports development and when I started at the charity at that time, I felt like i 'd made it. I felt like i 'd almost crossed the finish line, if you like and from that you know from when I got the uh, position and when I started on day one, I started having these great ideas I liked to think at the time of you know the impact that I could have for the charity and these different events that we could develop and these partnerships that we could build and the thousands of young people that we were going to ultimately end up supporting as a charity and I started reaching out to uh, well-connected people to try and get their buy-in to some of my ideas. And I started just—I um, I just, I just had all these ideas that were just starting to flow out of me. And I started to feel like if I didn't get these ideas out of my system, I was just going to explode. So we're talking about January 2012. And from day one, um, I just couldn't take my foot off the accelerator, Curtis. So I really wasn't looking after myself too well. You know, I wasn't sleeping. That, you know, there were, there were stretches where I'd go for almost three weeks straight, having two hours sleep a night. I was getting up. Yeah. If I wasn't asleep, I was, I was just awake trying to get all these creative ideas down on paper. I wasn't really eating properly because quite honestly, spending an hour in a kitchen prepping a really nutritious meal, I felt like I was wasting my time because I, 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 Ultimately, I was thinking, you know, the impact that I could have for this charity, why can't I apply that to society? Why can't I apply that to my local county? Why can't I apply that to the United Kingdom? And hey, if I'm going to go that far, I may as well try to see if I could change the world with these beliefs and these contacts and this confidence. And, you know, all this dopamine that was just pumping through my body and this conviction and this self-belief that I could genuinely get out there and, and, uh, and change the world. But the problem was, Curtis, that, um, you know, all my friends and family, they they honestly just thought that I was on this really positive trajectory um and so like i said i just couldn't take my foot off the accelerator and uh and there were some warning signs if we look back on that time now there were definitely many uh warning signs that we should have uh maybe picked up on collectively but we didn't nobody did i didn't you know and, and i'll take full responsibility that you know it, it felt good i couldn't deny it at the time that you know it felt like you've almost got red bull pumping through you through your veins and at that time it just felt too good. And so I just absolutely rode that wave. The problem was that, that it was going to absolutely end up in tears. So yeah, like I said, it's uh, where were we with Italy? So the culmination of uh, my manic episode in Italy, like I said, was believing that I was blimmin' the chosen one. And at the very height of the episode, Curtis, um, I actually ended up stood in the middle of a major motorway at 5pm um, at rush hour in Northern Italy. And so, Um, just before that you know we're going out on holiday everybody is just telling me to slow down and just switch off my phone and take a breath but of course I couldn't I I physically couldn't slow myself down so we get out to Italy Um, I started writing this book, which I believed was going to be the new age Bible that was going to change the world. I believed I was the next Mark Zuckerberg, the next Mark uh, Steve Jobs. I was giving away my possessions. And then obviously, um, you know, my fiance at the time, um, she uh, yeah, she obviously saw that things weren't right. So she called my family out. Um, so my, my mother, God bless her, and George's mother came out um, to Italy. Uh, and during that time, George was trying to get me to the hospital. So on the way, um, we're driving along a motorway, and I felt like I had to change the world now, Curtis, because, like I said, this was this was after six months of this adrenaline just pumping through my body, feeling like there's so much suffering going on out there, and I wanted to do something about it, and I wanted to do it now, and if I didn't, I was going to explode. So anyway, I, I, I get out the car, we pull the car over on the motorway. I'm, I'm just strolling down the hard shoulder. I stop the slow lane, I stop the middle lane, I stop the fast lane. And I felt like this was it. I'm the one who's going to show the world how to slow down and follow, I know, and slow down (laughs) and follow their hearts. And believe it or not, you know, I I I took pretty much all my clothes off. I was just down to my khaki shorts and I I just let, I let one car go at a time, clapping them on just to take a breath and slow down and follow their hearts. And the irony of this is, obviously, is that I'm going to, I'm trying to go at super speed. I'm trying to go, at you know, uh, light speed to try and make the world slow down. That's not mm. the way to go about it. If you're going to go about something like that, that you know that's certainly not the way to go about it, people. Um, so after that time, obviously, the, the you know the police the police cars are there, the ambulance is there. I then get taken to a psychiatric ward, and I, I then spent the next uh, the next month basically in psychiatric wards, both in Italy and back in the UK. And it was really clear that uh, I was about to be given a, a diagnosis of bipolar. So now we're in. Um, now we're now back in the UK. Fortunately, I uh, had some great British nurses that flew out to bring me back, and uh, and then, uh, like I said, I then get the diagnosis of uh, bipolar disorder in um, in July 2012.
2: Wow. Bentgate Gate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for the last 20 years. Spring has sprung, but there's still a lot of great skiing in the backcountry, and it's prime time to check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and splitboarding gear. Bent Gate carries the premier brands, including... Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Rocky Mountain Underground, Rosignol, Solomon Voli, Never Summer, and Jones. With more people in the backcountry than ever, it's crucial to be prepared. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags. Come in and they will set you up with a proper gear and point you in the right direction to educate yourself on snow safety. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment including the latest skis, boots, splitboards, beacons, shovels, and probes. Bentgate also hosts free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a hands-on opportunity to ride the latest gear. Be sure to check bentgate.com for their full product selection as well as updates on all of their events. This is a a perfect description of what can happen with bipolar disorder, and, you know, you're still a man out there changing the world, but this time, I think, uh, maybe not quite so manic.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I like to think now that after five years since then, I, I've definitely learned one or two things. And and hey, it's it's a condition that you've got to live with for life. But yeah, uh, I you know, thank you for the kind words. And it's really nice it's really nice to to have you right beside me, Curtis. As I approach things a little bit differently these days and try to do things with a little bit more um, decorum. Sure, <laughs> and a, li- right. and a little bit instead more instead of blocking of, uh,
2: traffic in the middle of rush hour and taking off yeah. your clothes, right?
0: yeah exactly exactly not 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 to be recommended not to be recommended well one of the biggest
2: (laughs) challenges of the bipolar disorder is Mm -hmm. that the other side of the spectrum is once you're you're off your high then you enter the very deepest of lows and so i know after your episode in italy you entered into a depressed state that had to just be
0: horrible yeah yeah, it was a, it was a pretty dark time. It was a pretty dark time. Um, and if you can just imagine Curtis, or any of, any of you guys listening to this right now, imagine if you woke up tomorrow morning and you genuinely believed that you were the chosen one. You had all the answers. You had so much conviction in every single every single atom going through your body. You had so much belief and self confidence in. Everything that you represented. And then you wake up a month later, having been pumped full of drugs just to slow you down and make you eat and sleep and eat and sleep and eat and sleep and slow yourself down. Imagine them waking up and realizing all of that was just unreal. It wasn't reality. And so you start questioning yourself. And then you start questioning everything the whole reason for being here, you know, just, just. Every, the whole reason for being alive. What's the point? What is the purpose of being on the planet? And and going down to the macro level, I had so much fear in every single word that was leaving my mouth because I didn't have any conviction in myself anymore. I didn't believe myself. I couldn't trust myself. And and obviously it was a, it was a pretty, it was such a dark time. It really was. Um, I'm I am fine over here, Curtis, and just taking a breath. Um, it was so dark. It was so dark. And the medication was just, it took it took me basically three years to find the right medication that would work for me. And there were some desperately terrible periods where I was being given medication and I couldn't feel anything. I wasn't even sad. I wasn't sad, but I couldn't smile. I couldn't cry. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't giggle. I couldn't weep. Mm. And I was just empty. And it was the darkest time. And that was that was the worst part when I couldn't feel any emotion because the, these these drugs just weren't quite working for me at that time. But to turn this back into a positive, Curtis, I'm now speaking to you in the summer of 2017 and I couldn't be any happier with my lot. I couldn't be happier with the people around me and the love and support and professional guidance that I've been given Um And like I said, it's all about the people. It's all about the people. But, you know, with time and building great people around you, And being kind to yourself, discarding anything which just isn't helping you, whether that's responsibilities or for me, physical possessions. I got rid of things which just weren't adding value to my life. I basically started this process of simplifying my life and actually discovered a movement called minimalism, which really does work for me and my mental health, which is basically the practice of discarding anything which doesn't add value to life.
2: I want to just rewind a little bit because I want to sure. come back to minimalism because I think that it's an amazing approach to living. But first, I wanted to say thank you for sharing with us in in such a oh, real way. Oh, you thanks, know, the experience yeah. that you've that you've had and being that open with us. I know that there are others out there who are looking for some hope and mm-hmm. some direction and what to do. And hearing your story can help to give them. Uh, maybe some insights that can help to lead them to that better life that you're now describing. Sure. And uh, let's come back to minimalism in a minute, but I want to tie this in first to how this led to this epic run. <laughs> and the por- the purpose of the run really is to build awareness about uh-huh. depression and not just bipolar, right, but yeah. uh, struggles that all people have, right? So tell us more about how it, it led to this run And then I also want to talk about the organization that you're working with, which is CALM, C-A-L-M.
0: Yeah, I'm on the process of recovery. So, you know, I'm feeling much fresher about myself in 2013. We're then going through 2014, 15. I'm feeling really positive again. And uh, I really felt like I could... Take on a big adventure at some point. So not just use it as an adventure challenge, because I've always fancied doing one. But could I use Could I use adventure as a platform to share my story? And could I use it to raise awareness about a charity that I'm super passionate about and ultimately to show other people with mental health issues that we can absolutely live life to the full and get out there and do these things with the right love and professional guidance and time and, and all that other stuff around us? And so um, one of my graduate jobs, actually, Curtis, was spending a lot of time on Google Earth. So I was a researcher researching sports facilities for a couple of years. And I used to spend so much time looking at Google Earth and thinking or just looking at the Earth as, as a big playground. And so it was actually a few years ago where I, where I first came up with the idea of doing an adventure at some point. Um, so obviously through my experiences with mental health and just being really open about my experiences I thought you know what if I can fuse the two together if I can bring together my passion for sport and adventure uh, with the mental health stuff as well then I could really do something here and so it was actually January 2016 just now where I committed to this idea and obviously the the, the link with Italy is is Rome so I just started thinking okay I want to do something tying in Rome uh, or Italy as a country just because that is where I have my manic episode um, so then I thought Rome, Rome to home, ah, Rome to home. And then that just stuck with me. And so from yeah, January twenty sixteen till now, I haven't gone a day without thinking about it. Um and here I am now four months away from standing at the Coliseum. And I just can't wait to get started on August the twenty-fifth and I'm going to have my family around next to me and I'm going to be looking north uh, and just being really excited to basically use this adventure that I'm taking on uh, to share much more of this, Curtis, really, probably with less blabbering. Sorry about that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're fine.
0: (laughs) Uh, But um, yeah, I'll be a bit more succinct then, hopefully. Um, But uh, use this adventure as a platform to share my story because, you know, know, adventure running or taking on these things do definitely shine a spotlight on the individual. um, But this certainly isn't about me. So, yeah the reasons for taking on the adventure are of course the adventure in its own right is super exciting but this is absolutely as much uh, an awareness raising challenge as it is an adventure challenge and so you mentioned the charity that i'm linked with for this um, uh, particular project and uh, they are called calm c-a-l-m which stands for the campaign against living miserably now these guys they've been going for 13 years or so they're going through a major transition at the moment from uh, just their expansion is just really really inspiring And the first time I heard about this charity, um, bearing in mind that their mission is just dedicated to preventing male suicide, ultimately by keeping men alive by talking I thought man this is this is it these are my guys and so I'm actually looking at this project it's not like a charity partnership this isn't just a fundraising page where I want people to donate with I want people to engage with what they're doing because they're the charity that resonates with me to my core and you know the, the whole ethos of just getting guys talking about their mental health is what this adventure is all about Curtis so yeah I'm really excited to to see what magic I can do over the 65 days that I'm running Do
2: you have plans during your 65-day journey uh, to stop off and and visit or speak as you go along the way? Or is it just a matter of just trying to draw more attention to what you're doing so that you can build awareness?
0: yeah i mean yeah uh very much the second part really i mean since since i uh committed to the to doing this challenge um it's predominantly based around me completing this adventure Touchwood, all being well and sharing my story and shining a spotlight on calm as a charity but yeah over the past couple of months you know i've had some great Uh, Suggestions from um, the wonderful friends and family that I have around me uh, about, you know, Dan, this is an awareness raising challenge. Let's see what institutions I could stop by on the way and to shine a spotlight on what they're doing as well. And what's been really interesting about that is that there are actually a a fair number of uh, different community projects and uh, various charity bases along the route that I'm running, which I can tell you a bit more about in a minute. But much more than that, Curtis, even telling people what I'm doing and the reasons for I'm doing it, people are opening up to me and telling me their stories. They're saying, you know, I know a family member or a friend who's struggling with this issue right now. I think what you're doing and shining a spotlight and just normalizing the conversation, for example, um, is really beneficial. And, um, All you listeners out there, Curtis was actually really kind to me just before we came on air, just to tell me a little bit about uh, um, a relationship that you had, Curtis. So, I mean, I don't know how happy you are to just explain a little bit about your experiences with your loved ones and mental health.
2: Oh, sure. In way of example of what you're talking about, um, when you are willing to broach the topic... And, and open up the door, then people all know somebody like you were saying. And by getting the conversation started and building that awareness and normalizing mm-hmm. the conversation, it allows people to get the encouragement and the help and the courage yeah. to uh to overcome these challenges. And yeah. you know, we've had a lot of people on the show have had challenges um of, of all sorts,
0: including
2: mm-hmm. uh a wonderful gentleman who climbed Everest with only one leg, or I saw, yeah, you know, a gentleman who is a paraplegic and yet runs an organization to teach adventure sports to other people mm-hmm. with physical challenges and disabilities. So we are we're just so much behind that. the The story that I shared was something that I experienced as a kid. Uh, we had mm-hmm. a friend of the family from the extended family who was uh, really struggling with bipolar. And they were not able to get his medications balanced, and he may have been resisting, I'm not sure. But it was such a a huge thing in his life, he decided to try to write a book about it to build more awareness. And so he was writing the book by recording into a tape recorder his experiences, and my mom was transcribing from the tape recorder through the typewriter (laughs) to complete the book. And so as he was recording, he would be going through a manic episode, and then perhaps later as he was recording, he would be going through a depressive episode. And mm. to hear the, the challenges that he was facing just in conversing, it was it was amazing. But yeah. his challenge especially was when he would go into the manic side, he had an element of paranoia that would come in, and that caused mm. him to get in trouble with the police. And yeah. it was a tragic ending, ultimately, he was barricaded in his house during one of these these challenging episodes with the police surrounding him, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but it may have been some tear gas that went awry, but somehow he did not survive the ordeal. And it impacted me so much as a as a young man to say, wow, people are dealing with yeah. some very real things that can lead to some real tragic outcomes if they yeah. can't reach out. And uh, get the proper help and support that they need. So that's my little story, for what it's worth. But uh, I think that's that's what this is about, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this is it. This is exactly it. And thank you so much for sharing, Curtis. Thank you. It's a real gift to to have uh, yeah for you to have uh, shared that with me.
2: Well, you know, the way I see it is that if your challenge is mental, or if your challenge is uh, perhaps obesity, or if your challenge is a uh, physical. Uh, disability, then it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is we all have to overcome adversity. And yep. and there's no such thing as normal or abnormal really in the world. It's a reality of we are all people that have challenges that we have to overcome to live a better Absolutely. life and to make a difference for others. And so thank you so much for coming forward, just stepping up to the plate and sharing your story. It's a beautiful thing you're doing here.
1: Take a second to visit members.adventuresportspodcast.com. As you've heard, that's our new members site where you guys can get great deals by sponsoring the show. It allows you to get discounts on all kinds of adventure-related vendors for as little as $4.95 a month. So it's a good way to support the show and get something back. And while you're at it, if you hear a sponsor on our show, do us a favor and give them a shout out. It lets them know that their ad is working and it keeps money flowing into the show so we can keep excellent episodes coming to you twice a week. Thanks, guys. Never run out of camp stove fuel again. The 180 stove is a natural fuel stove that eliminates the need to carry heavy, bulky fuel canisters. With a generous 6-inch by 7-inch cooking surface, it folds away into a clean, compact, self-forming case that is small enough to fit inside your pocket. At only 10.4 ounces, the additional weight and space savings allows for other important items in your pack. Get more information at 180tac.com and look for it in retailers near you as well as online.
0: just as a bit of a side note Curtis last summer I got the opportunity to speak at this uh, this really positive festival uh, over here in the UK called Yestival so it's about people saying yes to these big experiences so i got the opportunity to talk there and uh, I actually started uh, my talk at the time speaking about this analogy where I where I really love the film Cars by Disney Pixar with Lightning McQueen because he is this rookie racing car you know and he tries to go out there and he tries to do it all by himself and you know he never stops for fuel he doesn't stop for tires you know he tries to just live like you know, just literally be this rookie dude like just trying to take on the world by himself. And then he has this showdown race a couple of weeks later and he oh he gets lost along the way and he gets forced to to slow down and build a great team of people around him and you know, I'm not gonna ruin the film for anybody, but they've got to watch it because it's all about building a great team of people around you and I, you know, I must have watched that film 60 70 times I'm not even kidding and you know this this is this has been and is a team effort you know Rome time is a self-supported adventure it's 1250 miles predominantly by myself even though I've got a couple of friends joining me at different different stages but it's a team effort there's no way that I could be standing here today had it not be for the support of my incredible wife my amazing mother and my and my brother and sister and all my siblings and cousins and I know how lucky I am. I know that everybody doesn't have that privilege. Um, you know, but it is a team effort and there's no way that you can do these things solo. And actually, there's, there's your answer for the marathon. <laughs> oh, there you go. To, you, yeah. There you go. You've got to have. You know, you know, just listen to the advice of people who are smarter than you is a really good is a really good tip. You know, build yourself, build yourself a good team around you and and you'll definitely go places. Um, so, yeah, it's really exciting now that I'm four months away. And like I said, I couldn't I couldn't do it without the the people around me to get me to where I am.
2: Well, let's uh, dive a little bit into what training you're doing right now to prepare for this yeah. epic journey. I mean, it's it's got to be something
0: yeah no for sure i mean i'm i i think a lot of it's just been the conditioning because quite honestly up until a year ago i hadn't been really running with uh, a backpack at all not really and so the past nine months have all been about getting the extra weight in the backpack and that's not to say that i'm going to be carrying masses with me but you know running with a running with a backpack with eight nine ten kilograms you know it's gonna have effects on your body so i feel in a really strong place just by having increased the mileage steadily with the loaded backpack um I mentioned that I live in Sevenoaks in Kent so I'm really fortunate that not only do I have access to the South Downs and you know the glorious countryside we have there, down there with the rolling coastline um, but it doesn't take much for me to just head west uh, out to Wales and I was actually over there this week running over the Brecon Beacons um, which is just a glorious place to be because the trails are just endless um, but also London and actually you know getting used to running in a city environment as well so geographically I feel really privileged to, to be where we are having access to um, these different terrains Um, and from a training point of view it has very much been about you know getting used to being out there by yourself with the weighted backpack looking after yourself and also, not overtraining because there's only so many mileage in, in all of our legs, and so I'm comfortably up to you know 15, 16 miles now. When I am running Rome to Home, Kurt, I'm going to be uh, looking for roughly 25 miles a day. Mm. Now, if I had to go, if I had to go and start this tomorrow, I feel like I could give it a really good shot. I feel like I'm in a great place. And the other thing with Rome to Home to remember is this isn't 25 miles in one shot. Day in day out, I've got all day to do that. So if I if I have to be kind to myself and have a long lunch, you know, to sit out the midday heat, I'm absolutely going to do that. If I need to pull over and have a nap uh, with the with small tent that I'm going to be taking with me, then I, I've got no problems with that. So I'm not looking I'm not looking to break any speed records with what I'm doing. I'm not looking to break any Guinness World Records. Who knows? I might be the first person with bipolar to do this self-supporting. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I've, I've really got to look after myself on this venture so um a big part of my training has actually been to be kind to myself you know don't put too much pressure on myself with the social media or you know just all these added add-ons that I could be trying to achieve with what I'm trying to do. Um ultimately I'm just trying to be easy on myself, be kind to my body, listen to the professional advice. I'm checking in with the physio. Uh they've been fantastic. And and just generally getting my body used to the fact that I'm going to be running day in, day out and doing this mileage. But I feel in a really great place Curtis. And, um, you know, I've got uh, a couple of friends who work in, um, you know, in the, in the sort of they are physios and, you know, I've got a podiat- podiatrist I've linked up with. So I've been really lucky to, uh, to reach out to these people and, uh, and Salomon as well. I've got to mention them. They've been just fantastic advocates of what I'm trying to do with this challenge. And so, uh, I'll be kitted up with Salomon when I take on this adventure as well.
2: Oh, very cool. Are you planning yeah. on taking entire rest days periodically, or is it just going to be see how far I can make it each day?
0: yeah so the 65 days does actually include five rest days so if i were to take a complete rest day which i don't think i'll do to be honest because i know i know what i'm like i'll I'll be wanting to at least walk you know 10 miles even on a on an easy day um so yeah my my 65 days does include five rest days if i had to completely stop that's not a problem um but uh, with that time scale i can go easy on myself and quite honestly you know if i'm doing 20 miles a day then uh Then I'll I'll be in good shape and I'll I'll be arriving back at the London Eye uh, well in good time. Um, And so just about the terrain, Curtis, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, So I'm going to be starting at the Colosseum, going to be heading north out of the city. Then I'm looking up, you know, rolling up the uh, Tuscany countryside, crossing the spine of Italy, Mm -hmm. heading up to the Alps at the Aosta Valley, up and over the top at the Great St. Bernard Pass. Dropping into Lake Geneva and then uh, there's going to be a bit of a shift when I I head from uh, Lake Geneva up to Paris. So of course it's going to be pretty flat. So, you know, I'm going to be lining up so many episodes of the adventure sports podcast to listen to. to keep me ticking along. Um, I'll be crossing the channel to New Haven, which is right by Brighton on the south coast. Of course, it's Rome to home. Uh, and then I'll be kicking around my home county, stopping by my old secondary school, giving a talk with all the pupils there, getting as many of them to run a mile with me as well. And then I'm going to be heading north to finish up the London Eye towards the end of October. And as I talk about that, you know, it's just so exciting. And, you know, my laptop's open in the corner. I can see my route mapped out on Google Earth, Curtis. And it's just really nice to feel that you're going to be there with me. And I'm going to have so many people with me and spirit oh, you know absolutely. it's a self-supported adventure but you know i'm going to meet so many amazing people along the way
2: well how can people learn more you mentioned your uh, your route being mapped out so it's roam to home.com is that the best yeah. way for people to track with you
0: Absolutely. RoamToHome.com. Yeah. Yeah. If people want to donate and check out my fundraising page, that's RoamToHome.com slash donate. Um, and I'm pretty much on every social media channel at I am Dan Keeley. Uh, or you can just punch in Rome to Home with Dan Keeley on Facebook and you'll find me there. But yeah, if anybody wants to go to RoamToHome.com, uh, you'll get my latest blog posts. You'll see the, the routes. Um, you'll see the fundraising page. You'll get more detail about why I'm taking on the adventure. Um, and of course you'll have all the links to these amazing, amazing podcasts that I'm being featured on none more so than this one. Kurt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so calm is the organization for which you're raising money as a part yeah. of this race. And uh-huh. do you have any expectations or goals for how much money you may be able to raise doing this?
0: Yeah, well, obviously, with the statistic of 12 guys taking their own life every single day in the UK, I wanted to tie that into my adventure. And I really want to stitch that into the fabric of what I'm doing. So from a fundraising point of view, I've actually been asking as many people as possible just to donate £12, you know, £1 for every guy who takes his own life every single day mm. in the uk what i've actually seen is far more generous donations it's just been unbelievable i've had the fundraising page live for one week and it's raised over 500 pounds which has just been amazing my ultimate targets were initially to have it as 12,000 pounds just to tie that in but i thought come on i can do this you know i'm really confident in my abilities to spread this message with thanks to you guys uh pounds absolutely feels right to me you know it feels like that will have a huge impact on the work that they do and um, they have to cover uh their overheads are relatively small as as a charity but they do have to keep their hotlines open you know the web chat service and these services genuinely do save lives so if we can raise 24 grand man i'm going to be so happy with that and uh, i really wanted to see if i can even smash that cut you know i've got high hopes for this so if anybody wants to engage with that head on over to roam and and please just join me for the journey because um you know we really can save guys lives with this
2: Yeah, absolutely. What a beautiful thing to do. And thanks for sharing it with us. And you heard them, listeners, 12 pounds or more, (laughs) right? Or more. Um, But you could make a difference. And it's not just about people in the UK. I have to point that out. This is a worldwide thing. But if we can um, pull in here behind Dan Keeley, And support his effort and build awareness then that awareness will grow around the planet and i think that it's a very worthwhile cause dan so cool i told you i was going to come back to minimalism and we don't have a lot of time left but i do want to hear about minimalism a little bit i think that it's been an undercurrent in our show because Mm -hmm. so many of our guests have learned that minimalism is what affords them the flexibility to do the wonderful adventures that they do so real briefly What is minimalism and how has that helped you?
0: Yeah, of course. No, thanks. Thanks for going back to this just really briefly. So, um, a best place, a really good place to start, guys, is to check out the minimalists.com. They're, they're basically leading the way with the whole movement. So minimalism ultimately is a lifestyle practice to rid yourself of any excess. So whether that's material possessions or relationships, even or responsibilities or anything which doesn't really add value to your life. So the practice really ultimately is to minimize the amount of stuff that limits you from spending as much time and energy and focus as possible on the things which really matter the most. So for me, that's my health relationships, my passions, growth, and contributions and so if I can eliminate as many things around me as possible to spend as much time doing that stuff then then for me that's hugely benefited me uh, mentally you know you're getting you're discarding anything which just doesn't add value and ultimately so you can spend as much time and focus doing the important things and of course from a material possessions point of view you know so many of your listeners um, will know that you know if you can knuckle your kit down to the essentials then ultimately you're going to feel lighter and it means you can travel further with more enjoyment and a more and a bigger smile on your face so let's tr- let's just try and see if we can discard a few things and uh yeah have a bit more of a spring in our step as we go as we uh, get out there and have some fun <laughs> <laughs> well thanks
2: for that you know I'm glad you gave that perfect definition of what it is i am a I'm a believer in minimalism though i I can't claim to be a great practitioner yet we keep trying right it, but it's a it's a journey and it is. The thing that's so beautiful about it is that it flies in the face of this Western um, consumerism type approach to living, which more and more people are realizing doesn't satisfy, right? Uh It's not an answer. More stuff doesn't make us happier. It doesn't bring us more joy. And uh, what you've found is that by simplifying, it allows you opportunities to do something so much more beyond yourself. And so what you're doing here with this… Roam to Home Run, raising money Hmm. for Calm, uh, working with the snow sports youth charity, Snow Camp, all of these things making differences in others' lives because you've chosen to have a little less selfish life of your own. So (laughs) what an example. Thank you, Dan. We appreciate that.
0: Thank you, Curtis.
2: And thank you also for your time and your candidness being on the Adventure Sports Podcast today.
0: Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Can't wait to keep you guys posted. Thanks so much.
2: Uh, you bet. And we will be in touch and uh, following you online as you take off on your journey. And so all the best. We uh, we wish you Godspeed and may the wind be at your back.
0: Thanks so much. Love to you all. Thank you, Curtis.
2: You bet. And for all of our listeners out there, you know what I'm going to say, but now you know a little bit more about what it means. Get out there. Have some fun.
0: Awesome.
1: Coming up on Thursday's episode, Heather Hansman is with us to tell us about her two-month float trip down the Green River in Wyoming and Utah. Until then, tell all your friends about the Adventure Sports Podcast and get out there and have some fun.